Yay, let us rejoice on this episode of the belated box office. No, I don't like that. I'm not going <laughs> to. All right. We can stay. Back to once. Well, yeah. <laughs> Take it again. Welcome to another episode of the Bladed Box Office Podcast with your hosts, Jeff and Pat. We have zero, zero, zero credibility when it comes to critiquing movies, but we do it anyways. And uh, we're going to do the same thing for this episode. So, Pat, why don't you tell everyone what we watched? <clears throat> hear ye, hear ye. This week, we watched Excalibur, released in the year of our Lord, 1981, by pictures of the brothers warner i'm gonna stop doing that now it was released in 1981 by warner brothers pictures and it stars nigel terry helen mirren nicholas clay sherry lungi paul jeffrey and nicole williamson fine cast there and it was written by rosbo pallenberg and john borman and directed by john borman props there you to john have it borman. props for writing and directing such a fine film this is uh you ever heard of this guy king arthur he's like a king there was a sword it was in a stone and then get this the sword wasn't in the stone anymore what happened to arthur oh i don't know <laughs> something about ladies and lakes or what have you you know, it's uh, it's uh, the story basically uh, of of King Arthur's life in full, based on Th Thomas Mallory's uh, uh, account. Uh, Thomas Mallory's Legend of King Arthur. So we get to watch um, his conception from uh, from uh, Uther Pendragon and uh his his uh humble beginnings as a, a commoner where he pulls the sword excalibur from the stone stone and uh merlin the wizards there guiding him to uh uh you know rule over uh rule over england from uh camelot he's got uh you know what you know what it's about knights yeah, of the round table they go on a, they go on a quest for the holy grail and they some some guys use the pointy end of a sword and they stick it into other guys. Yeah, it's like love, betrayal, uh, a quest. I don't know. This it's a lot. This movie has a lot. It's got a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, it's very busy. I would say. Um, yeah, it's it's the story of King Arthur, his entire story, like the entire goddamn thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like like pat said there this movie came out in 1981 had a budget of 11 million dollars and i think they uh i think they used it well uh box office was approximately 35 million dollars and um people seem to like it i don't necessarily understand it but people seem to like it uh imdb gave it a 73 percent rotten tomatoes gave it uh the critics gave it 73 percent while metacritic came in at 56 percent for the critics Huh. And the audience scores are pretty similar, 80% uh, for Rotten Tomatoes and 76 for Metacritic. So the Man, general Metacritic is always public. way off, eh? Like, I, I, you know like what? an outlier. I, I'm, I'm with him on this one. <laughs> oh. I'm aligning a little bit more with Metacritic than I think you might appreciate. Uh, so keep your comments to yourself or to the end, please. 
Me keep my comments to the end. <laughs> yeah. Is, that how, the is the, that how podcasts the work? The work? <laughs> we'll get your comments after we're done recording. Okay. Like, can I can I finish? Can I please finish? Okay, I'm finished. Um it had ten nominations and two wins. Uh it was only nominated once in the uh, the big show, the Oscars for best cinematography, which I think it deserves the uh I deserve it deserved the nomination for sure. But the uh, two wins it got were Best Artistic Contribution at the uh, Keynes Film Festival and Best Costume Design uh, from the Saturn Awards. You're saying Kane, you're still saying Keynes Film Festival? Do, yeah, I don't speak French. Do I have to go over this with you again? I mean, you probably should. We have because we have a movie podcast, so we should know. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Do you not like the way I read things improperly? The the Cannes Film Festival, I believe you mean. As I snootily look down my nose at you with my wine glass. Probably not even how you say it. You're just drinking wine, so you think you can talk like you're fancy and such. Tabernacle. Okay. The Cannes Film Festival. It won Best Artistic Contribution. It's just um, it's just that you don't pronounce the S in Cannes. It's just like... It's like... It's like Star Trek Two. Con. <laughs> you don't pronounce the S in Star Trek Two. No, it's called Tar Trek Two. <laughs> Is that? Have you been saying Star Trek this whole time? That's oh, how embarrassing oh for you. That's, that's on me. That's on me, folks. I uh, excuse my ignorance. <laughs> okay, whatever. Best costume design by you the Saturn. Said we Award. have no credibility and. Now you can see why. How many? How many zeros did I say? Like zero? I said it at least four times. The, yeah, there were three or four no. zeros there. I think that's a sufficient amount. This is a. Uh, this is what you get. You were warned. <laughs> <laughs> Costume design. It was just fucking armor. I don't know, and Merlin and some golden armor, and wasn't impressed, but it deserved an award. So it got it. So what do you think not of this that movie? Not First that you're bitter it? or anything. Um, <laughs> you know me. Oh man, we're building up to it, but we're gonna save it. Um, so yeah, so this, this movie, movie before? Yeah. Uh, this one I haven't, but obviously we gotta. I think we gotta. Uh, I mean, everybody knows King Arthur. It's been around in many forms for many years. Um, this particular one, I didn't even really know about until I was. Uh, I think just poking around Letterboxd, looking at some stuff, and when we needed a change of pace, like a new genre uh, for a, uh, for the next episode, I figured, you know, we haven't done a fantasy episode in a while. Why don't we check out what, what fantasy we could uh, check into? And this one is like a really pretty well-reviewed, well-liked uh, movie from uh, from the 80s, so I figured it'd work. Um, as far as... As far as... Uh, like King Arthur goes, if we're talking like movies, mm -hmm. um, I was a big fan of the Sword and the Stone uh, when I was a little kid. Okay, the, yeah, the Disney film. So I watched that all the time. You know, Merlin was there with his owl Archimedes, grumpy old Archimedes, yeah. and you got uh, the magnificent, marvelous Mad Madam Mim, and she and Merlin have this uh, this wizard fight where they just change into different animals do you think that maybe skewed your uh 
ability to critique this without a bias going into it or were you just you're already a huge fan of the whole story to begin with well to that i say how dare you <laughs> and uh no yeah, yeah i mean um, these two uh these, these though i mean if you're gonna p- compare those two movies it's really night and day it's uh there's not a lot of overlap like the sword in the stone is uh did did do you know the sword in the stone is that one i'm aware of the film i've never seen it though it's i mean it's arthur is a little kid a long long time ago it's arthur when he's like 11 or 12 or something like that and merlin's basically trying to teach him life lessons and they transform into different animals like they transform into like fish at one point and they transform into squirrels when they didn't transform into stuff uh, you could have had some more transforming into an- in animals, is what I'm saying. Would have been good. I could agree with that. Yeah. I mean, there is earlier, you know, uh, uh, early in the movie, there's there's uh, uh, Merlin transforming uh, Uther into uh, yep. into the Duke of Cornwall. Mm-hmm. You know, ploy to, to deceive and sleep with his wife. The Duke of Cornwall's wife, yeah, in his armor, I might add. Yep. It yep. doesn't even take it off. It's smashing armor into skin. And then and, later uh, on, when like Arthur's born, he's a little baby. He's like, "Is the boy mine?" And he takes him and he pick, holds the baby there, and he's still wearing like his armor with spikes all over it. <laughs> and I was like, "Buddy, t- take off that breastplate before you hold that baby. Like you're, you're covered in spikes, bro." It's They're not, just like, "Oh, right. why?" Like, yeah. <laughs> Infancy life expectancy went up way, 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 way up after they got rid of the spiky breastplate. Yeah, for sure that was a hazard to children. Yeah, no you know what, man? That's about that's about the time I checked out. <laughs> that was pretty early. Yeah, it it was pretty early. Um, yeah, like it was. I, I thought it was really cool how they tried to do like the dragon smoke, like right across on the some of the dragon and all this kind of stuff, and the transformation. Yeah, I really liked a lot of concepts, and I really liked the story. I just couldn't get over some things and it just really threw me for a loop while i was watching the whole time um well we should i mean we i think can we, we can pick it apart maybe um no I mean, not really i don't i don't i don't really think it's well you say some stuff and then i'll pick it apart how about that <laughs> i guess i don't know i kind of got off track there just talking about like my where i'm coming at with king arthur in general the sword in the stone i think is the main one and then i don't know if there's any others i'm trying to think is there any other like king arthur um media there's a lot i latched um, on to like as a, as a kid or like where did my conception come from and i'm not thinking there's much else there's like i mean about five years ago or so maybe a couple of years more there was that uh guy Ritchie movie you know with charlie hunnam as as king arthur and that movie was weird I didn't okay. hate it. A lot of people hated it. It did like terrible and it never had, it set up sequels. That's never going to happen. Um, because yeah. <clears throat> it was a big failure, but like there were parts of it. I liked, but it was very, it was very guy Ritchie and very quite a strange movie. Yeah. Fair enough. I think the, the one story that I knew, the one movie I know that has, uh, at least shares relation to the story. Well, it does. Uh, it was the last night. I think it's called. It's got Richard Gere, and I'm pretty sure Sean Connery is King Arthur. And Richard Gere is like the 13th knight at the round table. Hold on now, wait a second. That doesn't make any sense, because Sean Connery is is King Richard the Lionheart. King Richard the Third, that's right, yeah. 
don't know. V. Richard the First, isn't it? The Lionheart. No, I think it was in in Robin Hood. Anyway, I think he's the third. Anyway, it's the crusade. Anyways, let's not get into it. He, it's Richard. I'm pretty sure it's Richard the Third that went on the crusade, which was King Richard hmm. Lionheart. Yeah, because his apparently his dad was a shitty king. Long story short, yeah, he, you can. That's the amazing thing about actors. I mean, he can transform himself. That's fair. Now I'm just I'm just hung up on the fact that you're saying Richard the Third is the Lionheart when I think it's Richard the First. So we get fact in the after hours coming up after this be released soon. I don't have to fact check it. I know I'm right. It's pronounced. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I don't know. For me, most like I, I, the story was great. Some of the fight scenes, I thought it was kind of like somebody was filming a, a LARPing session. Did oh, you yeah. find the fight scenes to be a little clumsy and, you know, like just they really tried to sell it. Yeah, I mean, the fight scenes were um, there were some, I think I'm thinking of ones that I liked. I really liked um, I really liked the one where uh, right after Arthur's kind of proclaimed king and their storm, everyone's storming Patrick Stewart's castle. And he shows up and starts uh, starts messing people with, up with Excalibur. And then he straight up leaps off the parapets. He leaps off the top of the fortress and tackles yep. Buddy off of his horse into the pond. Um, that was pretty badass. That was pretty good. This movie's metal as fuck. I'm, uh, like, it honestly is. Um, I think a, a fight that was like all around a good fight, but had a, early on had some shots that were like, really up i didn't understand the choice to have it like really up close and like quick cuts and you couldn't see what was going on which looked like a lot of stuff i hate about modern action movies uh yeah the one i'm talking about is the uh the fight between arthur and lancelot that happens when sir lancelot's just at the bridge and he's just he's he's just tuning all of all of arthur's dudes until arthur comes up and fights him himself um Right, when he gets, like, the lan- he's, like, lanced uh, yeah, off of his yeah. horse during jousting, and he's like, I didn't hear no bell, and he just grabs his sword <laughs> and keeps fighting him. And then there's, Get off like, that horse, you coward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's, uh, yeah, they're, they're really yeah. close. I, I didn't like that, uh, uh, the way those shots were composed, but otherwise, I, I thought there were a lot of cool fights. That's fair. It was a pretty good duel. You know what I mean? It was a good one-on-one fight. Uh, like the, the scene where they're like, I think it was Uther. He was storming the castle. Sure. Uh, Duke of Cornwall. And I just remember it was like a couple of little trebuchets that wouldn't really work, like catapults that clearly didn't have enough counterweight to actually be functional. And then and, uh, it was just it's like, 12 guys and three catapults and they're like ah we'll get you next time and they just kind of take off i was like that doesn't really seem like a sieging force you haven't you know? seen the last but, uh, of me yeah i'm gonna get 12 more guys and we're definitely take your castle over and uh yeah so i don't know for me it was just there was um a few issues that just kind of they they overpowered um my ability to really appreciate uh, the underlying story but uh but it was there it was the fucking story was there all of it in all of its glory well yeah it's a story that's been around forever and uh has a lot of merit to it i mean it's uh it's, it's a legend that's lived up for like pretty sure about like 1500 years we talking for king arthur it's so, like yeah. it's like sixth century or so and it's endured as kind of a a, a real uh 
showcase of of uh, you know a story oh, of di of living up to your destiny and kind of like learning what it is to like put your duty above yourself and uh you get a whole lifetime here of things to learn from right and not necessarily all of them were mistakes but uh a lot of, a lot of valuable lessons a lot of valuable lessons in there for sure i mean yeah this is a, this um, is a story about mistakes this is a story about men failing and then having to you know like answer to something higher than themselves in order to you know serve the realm they're serving the kingdom they're ultimately it's not easy they're yeah, looking not easy being the britons yeah so they're looking i mean they're looking for um um uh, just a way to like uh you unite the kingdom um and kind of make one kingdom so that there will be peace is basically the idea and at the heart of that is uh merlin from the beginning right merlin's uh uh, he, he gets the sword Excalibur from the Lady on the Lake, and basically whoever wields the sword, you know, it's a plus one long sword, got really good stats. Yep. Whoever wields the sword uh, is gonna be king. So he gives it to this guy Uther, who's uh, let's let's be honest, toxic as fuck. This guy, not oh, a yeah. not a good dude, not a great not a great fellow. Uh, <laughs> so as soon as he uses the sword to to defeat the the Cornwall troops, and they uh, come up with a truce. And these they're invited into the castle to 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 you know eat with them. Do not bang his wife. He's invited. Yeah, come on into the castle. You can eat my food and everything. All I ask is that you don't bang my wife after she does a sexy dance for everybody. And what Side does Uther note, do? Don't use magic, especially to bang my wife. <laughs> what does Uther do immediately? He's like, I must have her. He doesn't even like wait till the meal's over just to stand up and be like, I must have her and like spit at the Duke. And it's like, well, right. now Wasn't we're fighting not... again. Well, she likes some like, she must have some kind of witchcraft spell on them or something like that. Like that dance was weird as fuck. I <laughs> think that, I think it was just like, this guy sucks. And he's like, oh, a pretty lady. He's well, like, a woman? Who owns her? <laughs> Give her to me. He's like, all right, Uther. And then he comes to Merlin, who's, uh, you know, Mer Merlin in this movie is, is shown to be, like, pretty resentful of anyone who, who like, like uh, succumbs to, like, their carnal desires or anybody who's, like, you know, putting themselves over the good of others, especially when it comes to, to like, women. Like, anybody who covets women, he's just like, you fool, you weak bitch. He's like, I've never yeah, been no. with a woman, and look at me! I can do magic and shit, I'm awesome. Check out my sweet hat. <laughs> <laughs> that Creepy is what... Hat. Okay, here's something, because I know... Good, he's not a good person, though. Like, he helped Uther, changed him, summoned a dragon so he could bang some other guy's wife. Like, he's an accomplice to adultery right there. So here's was that uh, for the good of the realm? It's, uh, well, That's yeah. The theory, here's right? here's my here's my thoughts on this: is that Merlin? I mean, number one, Merlin's not exempt from like, you know, a lot of his fuck ups have huge consequences, and he's got to be big course corrections. But in this case, I think he was kind of course correcting, where he's like, you know, he goes to the Lady of the Lake. He, him, and the Lady of the Lake are basically in cahoots. Like, we got to get Excalibur in the hands of the guy who's going to be a benevolent king and. And, uh, you know, Avalon will live in peace. And he uh, gives it to Uther, who ends up being a piece of shit. And uh, he's fucking, let's, you know what? He's canceled. Uther Pendragon, you're canceled. Uh, yep. <laughs> and uh, th at that point, Merlin, I think, is like, you know what? I really bet on the wrong horse here. So that's when he says, you know, I'll summon the dragon. You can ride off, take the form of the duke, 
and you can lay with his wife and she'll think it's her husband but uh you give me your baby like if when you hit like basically <laughs> give me your firstborn right so he's thinking like let me start over with someone else and i think maybe he's no, thinking I'm, like i'm really a good guy let me just raise your child for you yeah that's how good of a guy i'm willing to raise your kid for you not even that he leaves him with like some lower middle class fucking guy <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say gonna peasant but i guess they're not peasants quite because like yeah the one older son is a knight but uh yeah they, they, i wouldn't i don't know maybe consider them nobility if yeah a knight, I, I suppose right? you'd have to yeah but yeah it's so basically you, you'd be, you'd be I'm I'm, thinking, i think you'd be considered what it's like middle class upper middle class yeah I, i'm thinking Uther, not Uther, i think that merlin was basically like well let's get this let's start over with this kid let's you know have him raised humble beginnings with a normal family and he when he's ready and he pulls the sword from the stone he'll be you know this is this is the guy that i'll back to uh yeah bring peace I'll, you know what i'll do i'll give you this though jeff because you mentioned it so uh um i'll make a critique of this movie merlin's hat his little weird metal hat <laughs> is very silly and i never fully <laughs> got over it completely i thought merlin's a great character of i mean like since i was yeah, watching the yeah. sword and the stone as a kid i always liked merlin and i think this actor nickel williamson is great as him like i think he's one of the best performances but uh, his whole look that they went with, um, I will admit, is very strange. <laughs> and it wasn't the direction that I would have gone with for Merlin. But it's definitely like an 80s fantasy vibe. Like, 80s fantasy vibe is, uh, at, at least it nails that. Like, the, the 80s fantasy vibe I've always liked. Because it's very, like, heavy metal and, like, kind of grim and, and uh, gritty. You know, I'm not going to lie. There were a few times when I was watching this movie where I had to double check when um, Monty Python's Quest for the Holy Grail came out. <laughs> I think it was after. I, was it? it was. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, sometimes I couldn't tell if this movie was a spoof or not at certain points. It goes big, um, man. It it really goes it, big. It, and it fucking goes hard, man. It, it goes, goes as hard back. as Dune. That's a, true. I don't, I don't know, you know if I'm comfortable I mean? like, with the comparisons to Dune, but I, I think I, I know, maybe I we, get where I know come we from. both didn't like Dune. We both thought it was fucking... It was pretty much... It was over the top. It was fucked. Yeah. But this movie, uh, there was just some elements that were very Dune for me. And I liked it because it was like over the top shit. Oh, yeah. But uh, at least I kind of knew where this one's, one was going. You know, like it wasn't so over the top, like sci-fi like that. More like a... A mythic epic quest and that was great it's a very epic it plays undertaking. Out a little better for the time period you know oh for sure yeah it's uh the the movie's very like uh it, it gives me a lot of old hollywood vibes mm -hmm. um a, a lot of it like the western there the scent even before the that i'm thinking like you know the golden age of hollywood and uh i'll say like the 40s you know where it's very it's a lot of melodrama very dramatic performances where the actors are coming at it from like kind of a very much like a theater uh sort mm -hmm. of perspective is the vibe that i got um a lot of great practical effects um what else is it that was like really old hollywood the the soundtrack i think very much was like all the wagner yeah, uh play that's playing in it is like again like it's it's like making the point like this is a big spectacle this is a big you know maximalist 
spectacle like like they were doing in the old days i feel like it was uh as it was as ambitious as avatar you know what i mean like they went (laughs) hard just not in a cgi kind of direction right no like the the effects are all they could for cinematography to look fucking really well done they sure did yeah and you know i'm glad you brought that up like more of like a, a theater style maybe that's why it felt like it was like a filmed LARP session because it really was half decent theater like as soon as I saw Patrick Stewart I was like oh shit we're in it now I was gonna say I figured you'd like him who shows up basically right at the point we're at you know when Arthur pulls the sword from the stone there's all these knights like competing in this competition it's like on Easter every Easter they all compete uh in jousting and whatnot for the privilege of pulling the sword out of the stone and Patrick Stewart's there just Patrick stewarding as harder as he ever has right he does great. What a I presence, like it, man. Like, what a great yeah. theater presence he's he's always been. Like, England has a king! And he's like, hip, hip, hooray! It's like he's... Everyone else is like, yay! But he's like, god damn it, like, live up to my expectations. Come on, you dogs! Huzzah! Yeah, and he's... you know who else was a huge hit for me, though? <laughs> Liam Neeson? The dude from Taken. Oh, is that his name? <laughs> 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 Joe, yeah, you know Joe Taken it. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, it, it was great to see too, because like, I I've never seen this movie. Kind of like you, like you brought it up, and I've heard people say Excalibur, but never seen the movie. Never really heard much about it, so uh, I was pretty excited to get into this film. So maybe I kind of set myself up with some really high expectations of uh, a you- grand spectacle. Yeah, you I, always I, I do. I did. I, you, yeah, that's a, that's the problem. You always shoot yourself in the foot that. anytime you're like, "This movie's gonna be be great." You always walk away from it going, "Never mind." Yeah, well, it's like I told you. Like, I really don't like going to see movies brand new if everyone's come out of it and been like, "This is the greatest thing ever," because you expect greatness, and if it doesn't live up to those expectations, like it just it falls from what would have been an A minus to a fucking F. <laughs> to an F. Oh man, some some movies that are supposed to be like amazing, I've watched. Is this movie an F for you? No. No, it's not. Hmm. It's not a great review, but it's it's not. It's okay. not an F. Well, that's good. Um, it was Avatar. It was, it's always Avatar. That's like my benchmark for like being hyped up for something and then just watching it and being like, I know how it ends like 10 minutes into it. I don't even think they introduced us to the second planet yet. And I was like, I know how this ends. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no. I, it's, the thing is, too, is I was... I haven't really watched a lot of epic fantasies like this. Like, I guess the closest you could call would be Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Kevin Costner, Morgan Freeman, that we just did a little while ago. That would have been one of the only older kind of movies like this that I'd seen. Other than that, I'm looking at The Lord of the Rings. So, like, well, I, yeah. I think that was that was a that's a tough mark to beat. That's always, but the it is kind of interesting. I think John Borman's initial plan was to go to these guys with uh, the Lord of the Rings and they just didn't approve it. They just weren't I don't think maybe he, the budget oh, he was wanted to do much. the Lord of the Rings for real. That's yeah, I, I'm pretty yeah, I read that somewhere. And um and yeah, so he came across they they said no and then he came up with this and they said yeah. No one him he probably would have put it into one whole movie. <laughs> like <laughs> the whole trilogy in in two and a half hours kind of it, thing. It did seem <clears> like this this could have been a great trilogy or a great 
bunch of mini movies, you know? I wouldn't have minded that, but then at the same time, it's like, it, it's, um, I mean, it's it one story epic. from beginning to end. Um, that I, I think it was well-paced for what they did, and, like, if you split it up, then you'd have to think, like, each chapter of Arthur's life would have to come to, like, a satisfying conclusion, and that would have been tough, especially around the time that, uh, you know, the time that, uh, uh, basically all the betrayal, like, it's like, um, it's like, um, it's like a, tr a triple failing a all wreck? at once. <laughs> there is a big train wreck moment in the movie for sure. Um, yeah. when, uh, you know, um, Arthur's sister Morgana comes back and she comes to Merlin <laughs> and she's like, Hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm a weird magic person too. Teach me, uh, teach me a magic trick. Uh, <laughs> You know, pick a card. And my fingers will hold up. <laughs> and uh, Merlin's like, no chance. And I, I really like this, uh, this one interaction with them because it was some great world building where Merlin's like, ah, the old ways are dying. The the spirits of the forest go quiet as the one god pushes out the many. You know, he's just lamenting like, you know, this is like early in the Middle Ages when Christianity's coming to dominate and you're losing it's all these pagan yeah. religions across the world and and merlin's just like no i'm a relic from another time you know when morgan's like i'm i'm ready like show me what's up and he's like it's, it's too late like our time is over uh yeah is what he Here's says at jesus. first but yep. yeah have, have you accepted jesus christ into your life as yeah. lord and savior um but yeah eventually he uh he finally after she pesters him enough he's like all right i'll show you the dragon and he goes, they, they go in that, like, crystal cave that looks like yep. Superman's Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> and then and he gets uh, frozen in a mini Fortress of Solitude. Basically, yeah, he shows her the dragon. He's like, look, it's kind of like got, like, Cthulhu vibes, right? It's like, if you look upon the dragon, it will drive you mad. And then she's like, she's like, no. And, like, then she suddenly, like, learns how to do all the magic after that, so kind of works is it wrong that i immediately associate louis ck with that scene why <laughs> if you're he's making a dragon, woman looking would... at his dragon <laughs> yeah and what literally makes a woman uncomfortable oh, no. and she freezes him <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um well i'm just doing my part um but on that subject yeah he's showing uh he's showing morgan his dragon meanwhile lancelot is with uh arthur's wife guinevere and he's showing her his dragon Yep. And then Arthur, uh, you know, abandons Excalibur and runs off. For and... a movie not based on farming, there sure is a lot of plowing. <laughs> yeah, well well done. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, no, I, I just thought of that. Yeah, clever. I know. Um, <laughs> there was actually two versions of this movie. Uh, it came out in HBO. During the day, they would show one that was like, I think, 20 minutes shorter. It cut out most of the sex scenes and any not over interested. the top. At, at, Let's yeah, move right? on. Don't care. But then later <laughs> on at night, they showed the R-rated version. Oh, yeah. Full-on metal smashing together. Knights of the Round Table after dark. Armor, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Previously on Knights of the Round Table, it's like a Big Brother series. <laughs> that I could, that I could get behind, man. That'd be great. It's like <laughs> it's just yeah, combat anyway. every week to see who gets eliminated. Yeah, they just do a free for all brawl. Anyway, then uh, That's all right. yeah, as soon as uh, 
Morgana gets her friggin' dragon powers. She go and goes and she like gets pregnant with her brother, and she's like, <laughs> "Gotcha." He's like sleeping, and then she's like, "Aha, gotcha." You knocked me up. Now I'm gonna go give birth <laughs> to a guy who's gonna be king instead of you. And mm. then she also manages to strike him with a lightning bolt that makes him a, a weak old guy. But yeah, that scene was uh that was interesting. Cause Merlin didn't or um Arthur didn't know for a while it was his sister, right? She kinda comes back mysteriously. And then she's like, I am your sister. He's like, No, you oh, no. sorry to that... tell you. Yeah, no, they don't show a lot of uh that is one thing too that uh that maybe you could like like they don't show a lot of like Arthur and Morgana's like sibling relationship. That you like mm-hmm. you see her as a little kid when Arthur's born and then she kinda disappears until she's suddenly at like his wedding. Yeah. But like you yeah. know it's not like he knew then like like that she's like hanging around the castle, she's in his court. He managed there's one time when she's talking to talking to Merlin, she's like, Come on, come on, show me a magic trick. And he's like, you know, Arthur's like, are you the counsel to the king or the king's sister? So it's not like he didn't yeah. know who she was until then. But she was always an odd one, right? Because when um, Uther came in as, you know, the dude again as dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was just like, ah, that's not right. Guy looks like my dad, but he ain't my dad. Well, yeah, because she got, so she she got she magic. Was, yeah. So she was born magical, I guess. Yeah. She was and, waiting for um, her Hogwarts letter. Makes sense, right? I mean, if you're gonna, and she was saying even the before, thing, there has some magic in them too. I'm assuming it came from the mother, right? Oh, that's a good question. Like this whole um, like, magical prophecy fulfillment kind of dealio. I don't know. I think it's just like some people are. It's like some people are more sensitive to that kind of thing, and then it can be taught so they become legitimate sorcerers. Like when Morgana you first sees a lot Merlin. Of yeah, well, when she Lucky first sees him as an adult, well, if you want me to get into the differences between war, warlock sorcerers and wizards in D anD D, I could. But you know, people are sick of that. Yeah, probably bring up D anD D every episode. But uh, <laughs> I, I knew we would at some point in this one. This you can't avoid it. argument about warlock versus sorcerers versus mages. You know? <laughs> yeah, every no. time, every episode. Well, in this in, in this case, in this movie, right, when she speaks to Merlin, when she sees him for the first time when she's an adult, you know, she says, I'm like you. I know uh, she's like, I sometimes I dream of stuff and it happens. And she she knows what uh, like what roots and herbs and stuff can be used to, like, make potions and influence people and stuff. So she's got she's got like an innate ability to, like, see. And then, she yeah, she could see back in the day when she was a kid she could see through Uther's magical disguise so she's got some latent ability to pretty yeah pretty much it's from the school of divination for sure if you're talking about which of the eight schools of magic then divination <laughs> oh, of damn course it, I, I, just, I baited you into that one yeah you did <laughs> um, but then she's like yeah, yeah teach yeah. me how to like harness this power and everything and eventually when he does she goes and she uh you know, she fucks it all up. She ruins everything. Arthur's already, mm-hmm. you know, Arthur's already, like, uh, seen Lancelot laying with his wife, and then he bends Excalibur, he becomes a weak old guy, and that's when the knights go on a quest for the Holy Grail. 
You know, I'm going to give this movie. I definitely deserves credit for this. The uh, the way they did the time changes, like it seems seamless, like the shifts in in time, better than Serpico, well, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like we, well, I've complained about that before, but Serpico was it was pretty bad for that, right? Just probably the worst random seen. jumps. Like they just there's one line that you have to hear, otherwise you're like, what the fuck? Six years later, this movie does a really good job of. Uh, of transitioning that well without kind of leaving you like, whoa, that's a huge leap or a huge gap. Yeah. Um, There's huge jumps, but they, it helps you understand. It's like the set, it very, um, it's very effective at establishing through. They don't surprise you. Yeah. This is is more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Setting change, like costume change and costume and makeup change for the actors. And like just enough exposition up front that you're like, oh, gotcha. Okay. So it's further in. Now he's been king for a few years and, He's established yeah. the court. Like, yeah, it never leaves you lost at anything like that. No, it didn't. It didn't seem fragmented. Yeah, it just it seemed very seamless. And it would have uh, been easy to screw that up in a movie like this. Absolutely, because I'll say it again: it's a, it's a big story to cover in the amount of time they covered it. Yeah, dog. So yeah, they they get props for that. Big props for that. Uh, you guys did better than Serpico. Yeah. Yeah. You'll never. You'll never. There's. That's the only better than Serpico credit I can give it though oh costumes can we talk costumes for a bit it's just armor Merlin's stupid hat I'm not I, I, again I'm not in, I'm not impressed just... I thought there was some good stuff going on with the costumes there I noticed everybody's uh everybody's armor was kind of grayish black and drab up until mm-hmm. and everybody's was like that up until you first encountered Lancelot and I really like how his character's first introduced and uh he's wearing this bright silver armor that shines and reflects the sun and lancelot's kind of shown to be like integral in in establishing like a lot of arthur's principles as king and the standard that he holds his knights to basically lancelot comes in and arthur understands like okay so this is what a knight has to be this is what he's the archetype for the knight in shining armor exactly yeah and you know what i mean like he's the perfect representation of what everyone thinks of when they're like oh my knight in shining armor and and kind of arthur bases like the the round table on being like you know knights that are to live up to that ideal and like every everybody else's armor changes after lancelot comes in it's a really shiny round table they wear his armor (laughs) it's a very shiny round table yeah almost as shiny as my head to refresh oil but it's (laughs) okay it was right (laughs) um (laughs) There's other great stuff with the with the costumes too. Um the like uh what's the Morgana's son Mordred, right? When you see him the, as a kid the and then the armor? It, yeah, and the with the with the helmet where you can still see his mouth and it's like very creepy and it's like a cool you see first see him as a little kid and before yeah. he's like grown and like a threat on the battlefield but still they set him up to be like pretty creepy and scary for such a young guy with this, like this, uh, this armor that he's wearing. I thought that was pretty There was a lot of, um, I, I seriously do think there was some stuff drawn from this for game of Thrones. Like it just, I don't know the similarities between like Joffrey and his mother. And then, you know, in in this film as well, the same kind of relationship. Oh yeah. Nothing can hurt you. You're you're the best, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, I can buy it. It yeah. So I was watching it. I was kind of like, Oh man, like, even still, like even the armor, for some reason, it's just like it kind of looked like 
it just all was very it, it seemed very familiar right you know what i mean so they, i immediately associated with that but um i can see it i'll give you that um yeah I liked the quest for the Holy Grail probably the best act out of the whole movie. I really like how it was like, now you're feeling the stakes, right? Because the whole land is like barren. Um, people are like starving and destitute. Cause, and it's because, you know, Arthur is, is tied to the land. The king and the land are one. So Arthur is struggling. So the land is struggling. And these knights are just enduring this hellish task of trying to find the grail and um what else did i like about that part i kind of lost my uh my thought where i was going with that but a lot of a lot of my favorite parts a lot of my favorite parts came from uh from that i would think it was it was definitely the the better part of the story um it's a great a great conclusion really do you have a Uh, favorite character no (laughs) no No, i don't I was just going to no, say, because we're at this point, uh, I'd say my favorite character is uh, Percival. Okay. I like his, uh, he's got a great arc. He's, uh, you're just sitting there like nodding your head as I'm just like, I like this. And you're like, okay, well, I'm glad you liked it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making notes. Don't worry. I'm just... All right. Well, Percival had a good, really good arc out of like, uh, there's there's a lot of, like everyone has great character development, I think. nobody Nobody ends the same place they begin and it all feels like it makes sense, but... You know, Percival, mm-hmm. you see such a big change where he's like, your first time you see him, he's a bandit. And he's like, give me your money, Lancelot. And he's like, get out of here, kid. You don't want any of this. <laughs> Go you don't want no mama. part of this, kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Right? Then he becomes a squire. And then when uh, and then when Lancelot doesn't show up for that challenge, like, he's ready to fucking... He, he's Step ready in, to... Right? Yeah, he's ready to go toe-to-toe with a knight in... Uh, in, in the defense of the queen. Um, that's when he's knighted. And I'm like, okay, so they're going to, he's like, it's, it's your boy, Liam Neeson, Sir, Sir Gowan, mm-hmm. right? Like he insulted the queen. Lancelot's supposed to defend him. Lancelot doesn't show up, but his squire's there. So he's like, I'll do it. And so Arthur knights him. And he's like, okay. I'm like sitting there watching. I'm like, okay, that, now they're going to give him some, you know, suit of armor and some equipment and stuff to go against this seasoned veteran of a knight. But like, nope, they're just like, go fight him with your rags, kid. Here's a pointy stick. And he's just like, oh, okay. If you win, you get this new Timex watch. It glows <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> awesome. Sweet. I can't wait to die for this. <laughs> but yeah, then Percival becomes a knight. He's questing for the Holy Grail. And he's basically, um, he's the most uh he's got the best endurance out of all the knights in that in that effect like his faith never wavers and he's the one who finds the grail which ends up being like that whole that whole sequence where um it really just goes pretty pretty avant-garde pretty trippy Mm. where uh you know where he finds the grail and then arthur drinks from it and you realize oh the grail is not like an actual cup at all it's just the the understanding that you know an idea it's an i yeah it's an ideal of of you know ideal ideas that that Arthur has to to you know remember his old self and go back to putting the putting the country first and um yeah per, and Percival's the I like that Percival starts from such humble beginnings then he's the one to find the Grail and he's Arthur's like main guy at the end I was like good for you man good for you That's, Percival like you know what it's it's good because it's kind of like the company you keep right and I'm sure yeah. he had just as much an effect on on Arthur as as Arthur had on him type deal right. Yeah. Well, that's a good lesson to take away from it too, right? And then but, Arthur um, gets to like 
talk to Guinevere and Lancelot both again and just be like, hey, you know, you guys cucked me pretty bad and that sucks, but all's <laughs> forgiven, you know, life, life only moves forward. Yeah, I got to stop writing angry letters to you guys and burning them because it's just <laughs> not doing anything and the country's falling apart. So <laughs> exactly. My therapist recommends I just get the Holy Grail and figure things out from there. And then he goes <laughs> to like, I think, Stonehenge. Like, does he go to the Stonehenge yeah. when he sees Merlin again? It, I think so. Yeah. Because he's like teleported, isn't he? Well, Merlin tell Merlin shows up Merlin as kind of like right? I think it, Merlin it, like, shows it, up as like an apparition. Time. He's not like yeah physical form there, but it was a lot like uh, Beverly Hills Ninja. He was exactly <laughs> like Beverly Hills Ninja. That's right. I had that right here in my notes. I was just about to say that it's um, if you missed it, you, you shouldn't be doing this podcast. You know? <laughs> This is a movie critiquing podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a softball lobbed at you. Like, oh, I see the influences of Beverly Hills Ninja in this Arthurian legend. I'm so glad that a movie that came out 12 years later was so influential towards this 1981 classic. You know? <laughs> that John Borman was ahead of his time. He really was, man. Um, I mean, with the quest of the Holy Grail, it kind of wraps up the whole movie. Uh, I think we should probably wrap the episode up man so final reviews and your rating you want to go first or you want me to handle this oh that's a good question i think we've we've been building up to it i think we've sensed that there's going to be a discrepancy here um 100 who do you I'm think should go first you know what okay when somebody says i got good news and i got bad news which do you ask for first i think that everybody I think that everybody knows that they should ask for the bad news first, but everybody ends up being like, give me the good news first. <laughs> I think we'll go... Give me the bad news first. Like, your mom just died. Holy shit, what's the good news? You just saved a bunch of money on your car insurance. <laughs> You're like, all right, yeah, good news would have been better first. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. I'm thinking bad news first. All right, let's do it. Um. So yeah. Um. Here's here's my three points of critique. It looked a lot like professional LARPers were being filmed. It was a great script, but it looked like professional LARPers were being filmed. It seemed like a toddler story that never ends. Um. Oh boy, a it's a good story, story, but it was a little off. Um. <clears throat> the, my favorite, my personal favorite that I came up with. It seems like a group project where one person did all the work. And they did a really good job <laughs> on some one. things, but they just ran out of time, and they just couldn't, they just couldn't do it all themselves in the amount of time they had to do the project. Uh, final rating, uh, 1.86. Oh, ouch. Mm -hmm. Ouch. That hurts. That was a low blow, that rating. <laughs> I don't know why it feels like I'm taking it personal. <clears throat> I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a funny <laughs> way of putting it. Like... <laughs> The group, that's a funny way to put it. Like, the it feels like a group project where one person did all the work. Who's the one person in that, uh, in, in that, in that metaphor? Is it a particular member mean, of the cast or group? Like, I would say Borman. Okay. John Borman, writer and director. Um, it just, there was a lot of really good stuff in there, but it was just, for me, it was overshadowed by, 
what it was lacking or just the kind of uh, what kind of seemed like haphazard just kind of like just throw this scene together it'll be fine you know what i mean but yeah no it just it just seemed like somebody was overwhelmed it seemed like a really big daunting task and that's why i say it's like a group project where one person did all the work it was a lot and uh, and i think that's why it gets the, I, that's why i gave it the rating that i gave it Well, all right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited to hear yours now. I, I have a question first. Do you okay. think that if you wa were to watch, if, if you were to watch the original Star Wars episode four for the first time today, that you would have liked it? Mm-hmm. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I can see that I I would. Yeah. So the, f the see the, one of the things though too though is that it would have had the same kind of going into it I would have known there was more to the Star Wars series, like trilogy. Do you know what I mean? Just like if what, this had three movies I would have if, known. What if you didn't? What if you didn't? Um, know? If, if, so if it came out in theaters and I were to watch it for the first time ever, I still think I would have enjoyed it. Uh, I probably would have shit on it for a few things. Um, I'm trying to think what I would shit on Star Wars for, though. I know exactly what you would. If you're shitting, if you're shitting <laughs> on the if you're shitting on the fights in Excalibur, you don't think you would have a field day with the Vader Obi Wan fight in the original Star Wars. Oh, that, see, that's so tough because I... It's, that's ah, such it's, a bad fight. Trying you... to remove myself from the knowledge of, like, the the whole franchise itself is difficult, right? Um, but you know yeah, that's I, I a bad fight. On that when he just gave up. No, no, I just mean the, chore, the way it's choreographed where they're just like, oh, oh, and they, like, just... It, like, there's not a good fight. And then, like, there's one point where Alec Guinness does that, like, really slow spin... And then it's like, oh, and it's that downward stroke with the lightsaber. It's like one. It's like the worst choreographed fight in the history of movie fights. It's the you know what? It's the now absolute that you, crappiest. Now that you're mentioning it, probably yes, but I can't with 100 percent certainty say that I would have shit on it. You can't place yourself there. That's it. fine. No, I, yeah, it's, it's too hard. Stop right. trying to deflect. What's your review? Would you like to hear my review? 100%. So this movie was a an absolute spectacle. Um, it was a celebration of film. It was a celebration of, of story and legend and myth. It was a fantastic spectacle of, of... I thought everything was great. I thought the costumes were great, the way they committed to the effects. I thought that the acting... Uh, everybody's given 110% and they've really, like, they really nailed the tone, even though it's, like, very far removed from what we see today. Um, you know, with that acting being, like, acting in film being so different from acting in, say, theater. Back then, not really so. Uh, you can definitely tell John Borman is, uh, probably at the time was a filmmaker who got his influences, well, in the early 80s from decades before probably when he was growing up and he just nailed yep. it he nailed the tone um 
the whole concept, like the the settings and the like the wardrobe and the you know the creepy effects for the magic, it all is just like that that fucking heavy metal feel that feels so eighties. A lot of the sets are like you know they're out you know they're out in a real forest. They're standing in front of a real lake. It's it looks mm-hmm. great. This movie looks great. And the story's phenomenal. It's the fucking Arthurian legend, so of course it's phenomenal. And I give this movie 3.17 stars. I fucking loved it. It was, uh, it's up there. It's an all-timer, man. It's an all-time fucking great. Beauty. That might be our biggest, our biggest discrepancy. It's gotta be. That's great, man. I love that. I love that. I love that you were so excited to watch this movie that I can't wait to forget. <laughs> <laughs> you're like never gonna you're never gonna say a word about this movie for the rest of your life after tonight i was worried about doing the recording tonight because i was just like i don't even know if i have enough committed to memory anymore <laughs> so it's been a week it has um, we were supposed to record last week we pushed it to this week i fucking watched it again and it wasn't uh and it wasn't even on like it wasn't even on whatever Prime subscription. Something changed in the last week. Like, I had it for free um, on, like, one of my premium Prime subscriptions last week. And this week it wasn't on there. And I happily paid four bucks to watch this movie again. I love your uh, commitment. It was great. Absolutely. This Absolutely. movie rules. All right. that's You know what? Let's leave it at that. We've got some big things to talk about in the after hours coming up. Uh, that'll be coming out next week after the release of this episode. And we're excited for you guys to check that out as well. And we'll sign out for tonight. So thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Belated Box Office Podcast. Cheers. It was totally Richard the First, by the way. <laughs> <laughs>